Pastor Austin for going off script, right? I mean, you know, going off the typical order of the worship, that's, that's my prayer is that we wouldn't just show up and go through the motions each Sunday morning, right? What does God want to do this Sunday? Yeah, he moved and he, he stirred in hearts last Sunday. We pray that he'll stir in the hearts, Lord willing, if we get together next Sunday. But what is God going to do today? And so I'm thankful for Austin sharing what the Lord led him to share in that moment. So this week we will kick off our uh, fifth message in the series of Ruth. And uh, man, I tell you what, when I originally saw the outline for Ruth, I'm like, okay, we'll be in there a few weeks and then the Lord has just kind of been like, okay, pump the brakes. There's a few things that I want you to see. And so let's just kind of review or recap where we were last week. We talked about that there was a delay. There was an interruption, that Boaz had that interruption. And that when he got there to the field that day, that he was caught by surprise. He was caught by surprise by Ruth and her beauty and of her character. It was love at first sight. But then verse 10 was kind of that, the meat was kind of that, uh, the power in the text, if you will, that she found favor. And we see her asking the question, why me? Why me? We, we've talked about how Boaz is a picture of Christ. And so just like with Ruth, when we look at our own selves, we don't deserve what God gives us. Amen? You know, what's interesting is I just reviewed my notes during the offertory. I originally wrote that we don't desire what God gives us. That's really kind of accurate too. But what I wanted to say was that we don't deserve, but we also don't desire seeking the Lord. Right? We must seek Him daily. Yesterday is... We had the wedding of my father-in-law. That was the thing that I reminded them is that it takes both couples. It takes both individuals seeking the Lord. And as they seek him, they are drawn closer to the Lord, but ultimately he will draw them closer to himself. Because what does scripture say? That a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And so for those of you that are are couples, that that three-stranded cord is you, your spouse, in the Lord, you both seeking Him. We talked about last week that just the mercy of God, that how Christ shows His love for us, that while we were still sinners, that He died for us. So I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth, and we're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to continue our study. And so I want you to see uh, just a few things this morning. We're going to try, Lord willing, to wrap up chapter 2. And so, uh, if you will, um, find chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14 this morning. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of the bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Verse 16, And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it and went into the city. Her mother-in-law 
Saul what she had gleaned. And she brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with the young women, lest in another field you be So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat seasons, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths of your word. Father, give us ears to hear and minds to, to see, hearts to receive what it is you have for us today. Lord, we thank you and we love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen you're taking notes this morning, I can tell you that my points this morning all start with the letter P. And so I want you to see first and foremost this morning that Boaz set and provided a place for Ruth. We see it right here in verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of the bread and dip your morsel in the wine. He provided a place Then you see, as he says to her, he says, come here. He invited her. That word is going to come back into play later in our message, but he not only provided a place, but he invited her to his table. The table is a key word for us this morning. As I began to study this, I texted Pastor Austin this morning. I said, I wish that today's message was next week. And I almost like regrouped and did something else. But no, I just kind of kept pressing forward and, okay, God, this is what we're going to preach and teach today. But next week, we're going to take communion. And the Lord has prepared a table for us. I mean, how do we know that? Well, in Psalms 23, verse 5, we see that. In Psalm 23, verse 5, David tells us, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The Lord prepares a table for us. And so next week as we come to that table, that table is open for all of us to come. But we cannot, and you'll hear this next week, we cannot come before the Lord. We cannot come to his table unprepared and unworthy. We need him to search our hearts in our minds. And so we see here this morning that Boaz has prepared a place. He has invited Ruth to come in. He's invited her to her table. He's a picture of Christ, and Christ has prepared a table for us. As I began to just meditate on this, as I began to just allow God to speak, I wrote in my notes that God provides. God provides. 
We see here where Boaz is providing for Ruth. He's providing for his worker. But it's a picture that God provides. He provided for her. He provides for us. He's still providing. Amen? He is still providing for us. Look with me, if you will, in your copy of God's Word. Turn over. I want to show you just two passages that came to mind. Turn with me in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, so Genesis, Exodus, and turn to Exodus chapter 16. We see that the nation of Israel, as they went out, that there was what? That there was bread from heaven, that there was manna. And so in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Then look with me in verse 16 through 18 what we see about this manna, what we see about the Lord providing, about having this table of providing abundantly. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer or two liters according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less. But listen to what Scripture tells us. Thus saith the uh, the word of the Lord. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. The Lord is providing. The Lord is still providing in 2021. We've just got to do like Ruth, and we sometimes we've got to get up, and we've got to press on. We've got to press forward, because what have we talked about in this series? What stands on the other side of your obedience? What is God calling you to do? I know what God is calling me to do. Some of it is a a grander vision of a God-sized dream. Sometimes it's just in the daily task. But what is God calling you to do? What is he asking you to do? We've got to get up. We've got to press on because God will provide. Turn with me over into the New Testament over to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Look with me in John's Gospel. In John chapter 6, very familiar passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And here within that story, we see this truth. John chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Friends, God provides and he provides abundantly. Amen. We see that as we study this story this morning. Now, I want to speak to two different groups. What do we see? We've we've talked about this morning that here Boaz has prepared a place and he has invited her to sit. So there are some of you this morning that need to set the table and invite others to sit 
and enjoy a meal with you. You've got to set the table and invite others to sit with you. Yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you find a longer table. Amen. Maybe you don't get around your small kitchen table, but maybe we just go from one end to the other, but we've got to be inviting people to sit at our tables. That's where relationships are built. Conversations lead to relationships. That's the same with the Lord. As you have relationships with him, as you study his word, as you seek him, you're going to grow in knowing him better, knowing his heart and what his will is for your life, that you can trust him. The same goes with each and every one of you. As we invite people to our tables, we invite them in. We have no clue what difference that might make in their lives, what difference it might make in yours. So we need to set the table and invite others to sit and enjoy a meal. As we've said already, Boaz is a picture of Jesus. And he set the table for others to meet God. Are you setting the table so that others might meet Jesus? What did we talk about a few probably weeks or months ago? We talked about being door holders. When you've experienced Jesus, you're willing to stand and to hold the door so that others might experience him too. You see, as we talked about, Boaz is like Jesus. Boaz and Jesus, they set the table for others to meet God. They set the table so that we might be filled, that we might be full, and that we might find what we're looking for. And that's a place filled with grace. A place filled with love. Friends, we People are desiring and they're looking for a place that, pe- that they can belong and become who God wants them to be. You want to see Bethel Baptist Church on fire for the Lord and reaching its community, reaching the lost? Listen, as I've been with you for however long, we're here now for the long haul and we'll continue to serve, right? Because we see God doing a work here at Bethel and we want to be a part of that. We love you all. You guys have shown us love. You, you, you show my wife love. You've shown me love. We, I just thought I was going to be here for a season, right? Have Bible, we'll travel. When y'all are done with me or if you run me off, we'll just move on down to the next stop. But if you want to see a church aflame for God, then you create an environment where people can belong and become who God would have them to be. You be like Boaz and you set the table and you invite others to come and to meet Jesus. You see, friends, people want to be seen and heard. And so maybe this week you need to just go out into your lives. You just need to go out into the highways, in the hedges. You need to go out into the grocery store, to your office place, to the schoolhouse, and you just need to tell people, I see you. I see you. I love you. And Jesus loves you too. Will you add value to people? The second group of people I want to speak to this morning are there are some of you who need to sit at a table that you didn't set. There's some of you who need to sit at a table that you didn't set, that you didn't prepare. A table that you feel like you don't belong. 
What did we talk about last week? We talked about that Ruth, we see in verse 10, she's saying, why did I find favor in your sight? I don't belong here, but you do. Amen. If there are some of you here this morning that don't feel like you belong, that don't feel like you measure up, you don't. Stop trying. Stop, stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop trying to, to, to have those good works outweigh the price of your sin. Can I tell you that you will always be at a deficit, that your good works are here, and the price debt, the sin debt, the death that you're owed is always here. They will never balance out. The, those good works will never, will never topple the other way. It will always, you will always be in the negative. You can never earn your salvation. You can, never, you can never earn your way to heaven. It is through Christ and Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Amen? We cannot earn our salvation. If you feel like you don't belong at the table, you don't. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he takes people. He, I love this old song, old Southern Gospel song, that God builds his church with broken people. You know what, the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners, not a place for perfect people, not a place for saints. We're all broken. We are all broken, and God builds his church with broken people. This isn't in my notes, but you're going to get this anyway. This whole mask and mask debate, some of y'all have been wearing masks for years. Acting like you had it all together. And you're just crumbling inside. Because you, you're kind of like the Bible says, you're those whitewashed tombs. They're, they're pretty on the outside, but they're full of death on the inside. Some of y'all are worried about cleaning up the outside of the cup when you need to be worried about cleaning up the inside. Don't worry about a little lipstick stain or a little uh, smudge or a little grease or grime that might be on the outside. What's on the inside? What's on the inside? That's what counts. That's what God's looking at. That's what he sees. So Boaz set a place and he invited her in. Look with me in verse Sixteen. Before we look at while you're looking, getting back to sixteen, I thought about. I told you, I said I felt like that this message should have been next week's message because it's about the table. And there's this song that I love. It's simply entitled "The Table." I want you to hear some of the words of this song because we're talking about that Boaz, that that God has set a table for us. And this song, The Table by Chris Tomlin, listen to a few of these words. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table. There is peace at the table of the Lord. I won't worry anymore. There is healing at the table of the Lord. Oh, and I won't suffer anymore he is able he will restore at the table of the lord oh i know he has a place for me oh what joy will fill my heart 
with the saints around the mercy seat of God. Listen to what he says in this song. It's so beautiful. I want you to hear this. Come all you who are weary, come and find. His yoke is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the table of the Lord. Friends, the Lord has set a table for you. He set a table for me. Just like with Boaz, we don't belong there, but it's because of Christ that, in, in, that he loved us so much that while we were sinners, he died for us. He, and he's prepared that table that we might come and that we might not hunger, that we might feast, that there might be peace, that there might be healing, that there might be restoration, there there might be renewal. So look with me in verse 16. So we see first there was a place. Now I want you to see that there was provision. We see it in verse 15 and 16, but we really see it in 16. And also, as Boaz is talking to his men, he says, Pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Boaz provided provision. Friends, God provides. God provides. We talked about that as we looked into the Old Testament with manna, as we looked into the New Testament of the feeding of the 5,000. God provides. Really quickly, a little kind of uh, math lesson, if you will, this morning. In verse 17, it says she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. What's an ephah? Well, basically an ephah is, if I'm not mistaken, it's about 22 two liters. Well, that's okay, right? But a better way to envision that, as I was reading and studying, is it's five and a half gallons. So what she went out and she worked and she labored for that day, she beat it out, and when she did, the grain that was left over, it could fill up a five-gallon bucket. You, I don't know what it's like to, to beat out and to have that grain, but you think about how small grains are and that she filled up and that she beat out enough to fill out a five-and-a-half gallon bucket right a five gallon bucket and then some that's a lot of work amen but what do we see in her picture we see a beautiful picture that she didn't wallow where she was she didn't look at her mother-in-law and say hey how are you going to provide for me but she got up she put feet to her prayers she walked into the unknown she walked into the fear she walked into the danger and that she pressed on and there you'll see in just a minute it's a beautiful picture of something. But I got a, got a couple more points I want to make. <clears throat> jump down to verse um, jump down to verse 22. <clears throat> Here we see that not only did Boaz provide a place, not only did he provide provision, but he provided protection. Verse 22, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. What did he tell his men? You don't touch her, you let her glean, and you let her stay there. Because look, if you got your Bibles open, look back at verse 9. He told his men, um, Have I not charged my young men not to touch you? So he provided provision, he provided for, and he provided protection. Now jump back up with me to verse 20. You'll probably think this guy's got ADHD. Sure I do. 
But there, there's, a, there's a method to my madness, amen? There's a reason why I'm doing it this way. I'm just showing you what I gleaned as I studied this, this week. Verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Whose kindness? You know, what's interesting is, whose kindness is it? Was it the Lord or Boaz? It's both. He's a picture of who Christ was. And kindness, that's a key theme in the book of Ruth. Kindness. That God shows us kindness that we don't deserve. Are we showing others the kindness that God has shown us? Are, are we forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us? Are we loving others as Christ has loved us? Every week when I study, there's this series of questions that I ask myself. And they always hit it every week. I don't know that I do. You probably heard it in the past, but I never really have told it to you this way. But one of the questions as I study is this. Where's the power in the text? Where's the power in the text? Remember, I preached the whole message on the power of God. Where's the power in the text? And so not only did Boaz provide a place and he provide provision and provide protection, I want you to see that there is the power of God on display in verse 20, which we will see in a moment. We will see as we continue to study. It says, Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Friends, Christ is our redeemer. Amen. He redeems us. Boaz is a picture of that. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of Christ being our Redeemer, our Kingsman Redeemer. He can redeem us. We cannot redeem ourselves. And all of this culminates in this way. Verse 23, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat seasons, and she lived with her mother-in-law. There are times in our lives that we have to prepare for what we don't know is coming. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but there are times in our lives when we must prepare for what we don't know is coming. As the, as the, as the barley and wheat seasons were happening they had to go out and they had to prepare. They had to go out and prepare for what was coming. They didn't know what was coming, but they were preparing. So not only was there a place, not only was there provision, not only was there protection, not only do we see the power of God on display, but finally I want you to see that this was providential. It was providential. And I keep going back to verse 3 and verse 4. It, it kind of all hinges on there. That Ruth just happened to be, she didn't. God led her there. It was for a divine appointment. That Ruth happened in the field of Boaz. And then in verse 3 we see, Behold, he was running late. 
It was a providential appointment. It was there by providence. What does providential mean? It's opportune. It's favorable. It's welcome. It's divine. And then you know what else is interesting as I looked up the word providential? It's heaven sent. Amen? It's heaven sent. And I think that they could both say that. They could both say that as we see this story unfold, that Ruth could indeed say that Boaz was heaven sent and that Boaz could look and say that Ruth indeed was heaven sent. Friends, there will be times in our lives that we just can't make sense of it all, but it was providential that those things happened, that we wound up where we did. This morning I told you about the word invite. That is a key word in Chris Moore's life and story. Friends, invites turn in to turning points. What did we talk about recently? They were on that road. They were heading back to their native land. Naomi was. She was heading back to her homeland. And it was there on that journey together that some decisions were made and turning points happened. Orva, she counted the cost. She turned and she disappears off the pages of Scripture. Ruth stepped into the unknown. She loved her mother-in-law. She said, I'm going to trust you even though this isn't my land. This isn't my people. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to trust the Lord. And so then we see in chapter 2 that it wasn't just by happenstance, but she wound up where she was. We see Boaz. We see that they're going to they're gonna marry. He's going to redeem her. And it's through their lineage that Christ comes. Amen? It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But I ask you this morning, I want to invite you to connect with what God is doing in your life, what God is doing here at Bethel, what God wants to do in and through your life. There have been times in my life to where invites have changed my life. One of such was I was in high school and I was interested in photography and I took photography and journalism and I expressed to both of my teachers that I really enjoyed their classes. And so one day I was in another class. I think it was the spring of that year. Hey, can I see Chris Moore in the hall? Sure. It was the yearbook advisor. He came and... and got me out of class, and he said, Hey, Chris, I hear that you're interested in, in doing a little bit more with what you've learned in these two classes. I'd like to invite you to be on the yearbook staff. Would you be interested in coming and being part of the yearbook staff? Yeah, absolutely, right? Worked it to me. I get an email. I get invited by Michelle Logan Owens, the COO at that time. She says, Look, Chris, I, actually, she wrote me a letter. She said, I, I, I realize that you don't have the title of a leader, but I see your leadership potential, and I want to invest in your leadership, and I want to invite you to join our, me and the other managers, the other leaders, as we go to Global Leadership Summit. Will you come and go with us? How about I'm standing before you this morning because I was what? I was invited to Bethel Baptist Church. Thanks to Brother Larry, as he was on his way out, he said, you guys should call, give Chris Moore a call. He's in between churches, give him a call. He could help you in your time of transition. And so I got the invite. But see, when there's an invite in our lives, we have to accept it. And we have to move into the fear and into the unknown, trusting an all-knowing God. Amen? So this morning, I want to invite you. What is God wanting to do 
in your life? What is he wanting to do in your home? What is he wanting to do in your circle of influence? Do you know him? If you know him, if you don't, let's have a conversation. It would be my, me or Austin. It would be our privilege and an honor to sit down and discuss with you what it means to know and to have assurance of your salvation. If you know him and you've been sitting on the bench, you've been sitting on a pew, and you've just been a spectator, friends, I want to invite you to become a laborer. Austin talked about prayer this morning. What we're to pray, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers are few. Friends, as I told the folks yesterday at the wedding, God, we, we quoted, I quoted from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And you always hear it at weddings, but I reminded them, and I want to remind you this morning, if you look, there's a bigger picture. That text was written to the church. It was written to you. In between those two, in between chapter 13 is sandwiched between 12 and 14, which talks about spiritual gifts. God has gifted each and every one of you in a unique way. You have his thumbprint on your life. There are things that you can do that I can't do, that people around you cannot do. God is inviting you to be a conduit through whom his glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. Are you open? I want to invite you this morning to take that next step into who God would have you to be, whether that's into a relationship with him, whether that's going deeper in your faith, whether that's serving him, whatever that might be. Let's have a conversation. But more importantly, how about have a conversation with your Heavenly Father today? Don't put it off. He's inviting you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this story of Boaz and Ruth. Lord, thank you that when we slow down, when when we're not rushing to get to the next thing, to the next message, to the next series, Lord. There's so much truth in your word. And so, Father, I pray this morning that those under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you are inviting them into something more. You're inviting them into something deeper. Lord, whether that's to know you and to have assurance of their salvation, whether that's to take a next step in growing in their faith, Lord, as I thought about this morning as I came up, Lord, may we grow, know, and show you. Father, help us to continue to grow. Help us to know who we are, to know you. And Lord, help us that when we leave this place, to go out and to show you. Lord, to live on mission for you. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you're working around us. And let's share what you're doing. Father, thank you for the invitations that I have enjoyed. An old invitation a little over 10 years ago to where you invited me to make sure that I had assurance of my salvation. And Lord, I can testify before these people this morning that when we know that we know you, that we have assurance of our salvation, and we step into the fear and the unknown when you invite us, wherever you lead, we'll go. Father, it is an amazing ride. There is amazing joy. Father, we don't deserve to be at the table, and we don't deserve to be used. But God, you use us anyway. When we surrender and humble ourselves, Lord, may we decrease and you increase. Father, we thank you and we love you. For it's in your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.